What a start for Brad Hughes. 180 metres to go. Looking good. Oh, what a shot. What a shot from Brad Hughes. Oh, my goodness. What a finish for Bradley Hughes. Easy number five, joining the lead. An amazing victory for the second time. Brad Hughes wins the Australian Masters. This time by five strokes. In this edition of the Bradley Hughes Golf Podcast, we zoom in on the scoring zone associated with golf. The great golfers are masterful from inside 100 yards of the hole. And to help us understand how to become better at the short game, I enlisted the brilliant wedge designer and my great friend from my years on the PGA Tour, Mr. Bob Vokey, to give us some insight into how to turn three shots into two the closer we get to the green. Voke fills our listeners in about club design, bounces, lie angles, and the technique involved to become great with the short clubs. Sit back and enjoy my latest podcast with Titleist wedge maker, Bob Vokey. So welcome, Bob. Great to have you here. One of my favorite guys on the, in the golfing fraternity. So a lot of people probably don't know you're raised and born in Canada. Everyone probably yeah. thinks you're American. Montreal, Canada. Hard to believe. And how was that uh, growing it, up there, golf-wise? It was, uh, it was good. You know, I always played played all the uh, baseball, football, hockey sports. My dad was a golfer, so I was always down second, way down in the list, you know, of uh, of my preferred sports. But as I got a little older, I couldn't play the other sports, so uh, I turned to golf. Made it a passion. I crossed, uh, came, came to the United States in 1966. I was 66, and then follow it yeah i thought i always thought i could play the game and when i found out i'm cutting these couple of mini tours tournaments they had out here in southern california and when i'm hitting driver in par threes and other guys are hitting irons in, i said wait a second this is this is not the game i grew up with in canada these guys can play <laughs> that's when i decided you know i grew up with my dad he i was a he was a fine tool and die maker and he always kept me in the in the uh working with them in the summers, you know, and uh, school when I got a little older. And I, I never could figure out why he gave me all the dirty jobs in the, in the plant. He was a foreman of this plant, machine shop and all. He showed me how to operate all the machines and that's how I learned all about taking measurements and using my hands and eyes. And uh, I realized all those years later why he kept me in school, getting the dirty jobs was I, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get back to school in September. I said, heck with this working guy. I don't like this. So then I, anyway, opened up a little golf shop in Vista, California. And uh, did all, all the different types of club repair for all the local clubs in the area of Southern California. And uh, one day, Gary Adams walked into my golf shop. I don't know if you remember Gary Adams. Or him. He's a fellow that started the TaylorMade. Correct. And then company. found his club. Yeah and, he, yeah, and Founders Club, and he also was the father of the modern-day metalwood. He walked into my golf shop with a, a box of these heads and some shafts and grips. He says, here, could you put these together for me? I heard you were pretty good at doing that. I said, I'll, I'll do them, Mr. Adams. But I said, look, these are – I never saw one before. They were said Taylor made on them, and they're very first metalwoods, the old original ones. and. Uh, 
And I said, these are driving range clubs. They're never ever gonna replace Persimmon Woods. You'll never get a tour player to play these. It never happened. <laughs> but anyway, how was that prediction? And then a few years later, I started to go to work for Gary in, at uh, TaylorMade when he moved out to Vista. And then from then I, 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 I left with Gary and go over to start a company called Founders Club. He asked me to go, myself, Frank Gallagher and Harry Taylor and off we went. And uh, then we started it and then things weren't going exactly like I, I thought they should have went. And then uh, talked to Terry McCabe, he was over at Titleist at the time. And he asked me, Bob, he said, uh, how are things going? It's not, not too good. He said, well, how'd you like to come over and work for me at uh, Titleist? It's great. So I'm working on a, a driver I, for, for Titleist. I need a little help on it. So I went on work with Terry. My first project was helping Terry finish the uh, 975D driver. It was a metalwood because I did metalwoods with Founders Club and irons, but metalwoods was I thought was my specialty. And uh, then... I did, then they asked me a little later, he said, you know, Mr. Uline would like to get into wedges. What do you know about wedges? I said, oh, they've always been my, my favorite club, you know, because I, I love them. I said, at TaylorMade and uh, Founders Club, I did a lot of fortunate to work with, uh, you know, Lee Trevinos and, and I met Sebi Ballesteros during that day and worked with him and worked with Jose Maria Lazabal and, and all the guys, Dave Stockton Sr., Lanny Watkins, Peter Jacobson, Freddie Funk, I'm going all the guys that I learned a lot from just by watching them, getting down and dirty in the bunkers and watching the shot, listening to the sound. And and then uh, my little old golf shop, I still kept it open when we first started going at TaylorMade because we weren't set up to do full, full line equipment. So uh, I went over there and me and Lee used to, Wail away at golf clubs in my little old shop, and those are the fun days. And an ironic story: Lee brought this up at at uh, my uh, went up for my induction the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. I was fortunate to be inducted there a couple of years ago. Lee came up and uh, he was speaking, and he brought up the fact that he said, "Saying I remember me and me and Volk working at his shop, little old shop he had." not too far from La Costa Country Club. And we used to go in there and we had these wedges and we did all these wedges and for them. And Bob took them up to the owners of the company, which were Solomon Skibine and they were French and they just, and they said the exact words. I'll never forget this guy up in R&D. He said, you Lee, you're a tour player. You keep playing golf. Bob, you work down in the golf shop. You stay down there. And, and I, I, Completely forgot all about that story, and it was the honesty, guys, true. So I took those designs that I worked with Lee and Dunn over to with me along when I went to Titleist, and they helped me create a lot of the product that I did with uh, Titleist. And then, and then from then on, Bradley, I you could probably carry it from there. My first major winner, you know, my face ma major winner, any majors. I think it was me, wasn't it? The world. <laughs> I think it was a guy named Bradley Hughes. Yeah, I'm That's proud funny. of that. I'm proud yeah, that you remember that. You mentioned uh, that. Uh, the first fellow to put it in play, I was at uh, in June of uh, by 1997. I had this bag of these prototypes, 300 series, 400 series, and a 200 series. And Andy Bean comes in into my bag and says, "Hey, what do you got there, Volker? What are you doing, wedges now?" I said, "Yep." 
That's where I am. I love him. And he picks up this 4.56-14. Uh, Takes it, hits some shots, chips a couple in, and hits a couple bunker shots. And he said, Bo, can I, can I take this out and play? So he put it in play in the June, the, the St. Jude's in 1997. That was going way, way back. And it's a fun part about it, Brad, a little side story on that one. I remember Steve Elkington coming up to me. I met him on the, on the airport. He had his bag with him. And he says, Volk, Andy wasn't the first one. I was the first one to put in play. He showed me this old 200 series. And so I said, oh, no. I, I said, I said, the only one I remember was Andy because he gave me that wedge for the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame, and I put it up in the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. So it's a – anyway, that's, that's a quick cool, background, Brad, of I've got my how wedges. I got here. I've got my wedges that I won with. If we ever need them for anything, I kept those. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually interesting because, uh, you know, we've, we've been together with the title stuff. You know, I was the first guy to win with them. I also use the Founders Club, the 200 series. I love those. That's right. Clubs. I actually, that Masters that I won with your wedges, I actually use the Founders 200 irons as well. I enjoy a series, series 300 irons. They're good. They're good iron. Did you have anything to Very do with those? I, did look, I sure did. <laughs> I worked with my old running mate, Harry Taylor. We both did those set. It was fun doing them. I, yeah, I remember I thought, going over there. I thought it was fascinating that, you know, when you first joined Tideless, and I found this out on a bit of research the other day, but you already mentioned it, that your first thing for Tideless was a 975 driver, not, yep. not wedges. A lot of people don't know that, but that's what it was. You know, and, and, and then uh, I remember sitting in a room <laughs> and uh, Wally Uline says, well, I want to get in the wedge. I remember that. And I stuck my hand up. I said, I'll do them. <laughs> and that's how it all started, you know, from and, that after the driver, you know. And you mentioned the 200 and the 400 series. What I remember all those. What were the difference in those? The, the shape, size, heads? Uh, or? 200 series was a, 202 was a classic, I call it, teardrop, teardrop look, you know, that, that uh, used to, they had that certain look in the old Walter Hagen wedges had that. And uh, it was a look like that in Dynapower. So, so it's an old classic looking wedge. The three, that was a 200 series, and that's the series we ended up staying with because you can only have so many, you know, SKUs out there. So we had to cut it down a little bit. So we had to concentrate on the, and I call it the 200 series. Then the 300 series was had offset, and it was a classic look like a, a rounded toe, rounded top line. And it was an old classic wedge modeled after a couple other little little players I work with. In fact, I know Savvy liked it very much. He ended up taking the first models that I did do of the 300 series as Seve Ballesteros played them. And uh, then we had the, that's what the 400 series. That was my personal favorite because it came, came from working with a lot of different players. It was a little taller, but it was a little, really rounder. And the original wedge it came from that I like was the models that I did. We had a squared off toe, but I, I didn't like the squared toe that he had the old Scotch blade look. So I, 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 I turned around and took one like that, and I rounded it all up and made it up, took it to the players. And they were the three shapes that the players liked. So that's, that's, that's what we had. I don't know if you remember the 300 series. It had a, bit, had a lot of offset in it. it uh, and then 400 series 
was another little difference. Here. The yeah, I remember the 200 and the 400. I don't remember the 300. Yeah. Maybe Seve took all those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, 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 liked, he liked it. There were a 355 and a 355, a th uh, uh, 351, a 355, and a, I think it was a, uh, yeah, a, six, a 360. So I, I remember uh, coming out there to Carlsbad and we met up on that, <clears throat> pardon me, at the performance center there. And we, That's right. we tested a bunch of wedges. And I think one of the good things about you is you obviously you, you watch what a person does and watches how it yep. digs or bounces or whatever. And you make right, operations. So I, I, th I think at that point you had an M grind. That was like a start of a different. Oh, Grind. Explain that to me, because I, I actually ended up getting well, some of them off you. Yeah. So I had the grinds. Everybody, where all those grinds come from? I, I'd like to say, Brad, I like to say, oh, they came right from me. You know, no, not really. They came from all the best players that I work with. A lot of players. I remember I used to take, uh, I had prototype wedges, you know, that I'd have to grind. I'd put a little bit more material on them, a little bit. So then I, I grind all these wedges, sometimes hand grind them. It'd take me sometimes two hours to do it to make it for a certain player. So I remember I, 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 I made this wedge and I used to take the toe off, like, like and it's hard to explain, I around the toe, very, very similar to it, what Seve always liked. And also Lanny Watkins on the sole, he liked his toe part of the club removed. So, you know, he can stand it up. He liked those hands high shots like that. He loved that shot. So I used to do that for Lanny. And then a trailing edge for, for Trevino and Ballesteros. I trim a little bit off the trailing edge and I trim a little bit off the heel. And the grind, it got pretty good. So I took it out on tour. And I said, you might even remember back, back those days. And uh, a lot of players would look at this wedge I had and they, they'd say, oh, can I have, make one for me? Then another one. Before you know it, I got a bunch of players. So I'm only out there. And I had one grinder at that particular time that I trained and I would call in and take me about two hours behind the wheel, but I didn't want to spend that much time all the time. I'll let, I'll just do the final because I have to bring, remove all material to get to the basic shape. And I call in from the tour and I'd say, Enrique, can you prep, prepare a couple for me? So when I come in Thursday morning, I could just do the final touches on them. And I, he said, you know, I said, Enrique, you know the one we take the toe off for Lanny that we take the, heel and trailing on edge for Trevino Bellasers. He said, Bob, oh, I know that one. That's a real MF to grind. <laughs> so obviously results, I stamp, I said, that's what we're going to call it. There was no name on it. We're going to put MF on it. So I took it out on tour and all the players kept saying, what does that MF stand for? <laughs> and I said, my favorite wedge, <laughs> my favorite. That's, you can figure out what the MF stands for. But anyways, it was a big, Joke. But anyway, when we came out to put it on in, in the series, the M grind, when we put it in the original TBD series, people back east, they did not like the MF stamping. So we had to drop the F and it right. became the M grind. So when you do that, you know, you, you add parts on and then you grind parts off. Yep. So uh -huh. Initially, it's all by you and hand and everything. But then ultimately, what, then they take the measurements and start making the, the production. Make, exactly. We make a master model. Right. The master model, then we can re, 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 I call it, we can reproduce the, the part heck of a lot easier and there's just very, very little cleanup work to do. And okay. you sell enough material on it to where you can alter all those grinds. 
All those grinds have the ability to do a little something with, but they were the main grinds over the years that the majority of players wanted to play with, you know, and also Brad, you were able to take those main grinds and add a little bit, I mean, remove a little bit here, move a little bit there for a certain player's technique. He'd say, Bob, it's, I feel it a little bouncing a little bit, you know, and, and what I did years ago, I did one back, I remember the opening two, 2003 at Royal St. George, you know, they play fescue, very, very firm conditions. And I remember um, Ben Curtis and Steve Stricker both told me they had a 256-14 and uh, at that time, and, and the trailing edge was bouncing. As a result, when you get a little bit wider sole, the trailing edge bounces and it skips into the ball and the ball, when it's not penetrating the turf, the ball comes out on the lower trajectory. And I remember, remember Ben Curtis and, and, and uh, Steve Stricker. So I went in the van and I ran a little ribbon on the back of the wedge. And I, I ran a little ribbon in the back of the wedge on the trailing edge, ran a little ribbon in the back. So in other words, it moves the contact point instead of being way back here, it moves it forward. But you still got the same bounce angle, but you're reducing the effective bounce by reducing the width of the sole. And I did that for Ben Curtis and uh, Steve Stricker. And I'd call it, I was going to call it the S-Grind. But I remember, <laughs> remember Jim Ockerbach at that particular time, he told me, uh, when he come up to me before that, and he said, uh, Bob, he said, uh, before the tournament, 2003 Open, and uh and he come up, what would you work? What'd you do for Ernie? What'd you do for Phil? What'd you do for all a few other players who were playing them? I said, no, no, I did a lot of that stuff. I prepped for them. But you know what I did do? I worked with a young player. I worked with him in college. He went to Kent State. And his name was Ben Curtis. And he, I told him what I did. And I had to take, told him I had to take the strick. And I told him I had to remove for Ben Curtis. And he said, okay. And he didn't sound very good because he didn't know who Ben Curtis was. So the very next week after Ben wins the surprise win, great, great, great young player. And he wins the Open, Jim Ockenbach, and I love Jim, he writes an article. He says, oh, Bob Vokey predicted that Ben Curtis would win the <laughs> British Open. And I, I didn't say no such thing. So I learned from that a long time ago. You've got to watch what you say. It can be interpreted the wrong way. So, so please don't interpret it that way. <laughs> So you've actually touched a little bit there on different bounces and that. Explain it for the people listening, like what a low bounce does, what a high bounce does, and okay. how it plays. The, the, the rule of thumb, and, and I guess the, I, for the, uh, I guess I call it bounce 101. Bounce is the angle from the trailing edge to the leading edge. And if you hold the wedge out in front of you with the, with the grip down and straight in front of you, 90 degrees, you'll see one angle. You see the, the trailing edge and the leading edge. You'll see the trailing Trailing edge is higher than the leading edge, and that is creates the bounce back in the wedge. And what what happens is a little bit. I say, for very soft conditions, or for more of an upright player, soft sand, you want to favor a little bit more bounce because that helps you helps you with the resistance to digging. Correct. And you'll go through the soft turf, soft sand, and then but you turn around, and you get just the reverse of that. You get very firm conditions and the. Uh, Firm condition, a player has a shallow swing, he can get away with a little less bounce, which allows him to slide underneath the ball. But you'll hear that people say that, that Vokey always recommends bounce, but that doesn't necessarily mean high bounce. It's the right amount of bounce. 
And of course, it helps to be able to know how to use that bounce also. All right. It's so very important. Some of the best players, they feel that bounce in the club. And a lot of people are, I found that over the years, you know, they, they favored a little bit of uh, less bounce. And I always said, you know, you favor a little bounce because you can always take it off. You know, and that's what I found out. A lot of people are gravitating sometimes. Now I notice there's a little trend for a little bit more bounce. But it's course conditions. If they go over courses in California are a little different. The courses in Arizona and Palm Springs are different. You go back and you play on the Bermuda in Florida. It's all different. So they take all of the different bounces. And it's so very important to have the right bounce because you can, you know, you can, I, I feel you can save a heck of a lot of shots greenside. Boy, I'll right. tell you. And what, what, you're, what you're saying there is that the pros use different wedges based on where they're don't at. Don't doubt about it. Different wedges for different shots. And that's why it's so important to go, I would say, and I, my advice, I get this asked all the time. What if my, first off, I can tell a lot of people, my advice is go see your local PGA Pro or to a Titleist Fitting Center. They can help you choose the right bounce because it's so important to bounce around the club, to get the right bounce for, for your particular technique, type of technique, the type of shots that you want to hit, your club head speed, your angle of attack, your pro can help you decide all of these, help you so very much. And I was, I was 30 years old when I first met you and first or second year on tour. And believe it or not, I was 30 years old and I played golf. I've been a pro for eight or nine years at that point you were the first person to explain bounce to me. I had no idea about bounce. And I always, growing up in Melbourne, we had firm conditions. Mm -hmm. so I just had a wedge that I guess had minimal bounce. I was a bit of a digger and pick it off the turf. And then when I came over to America on the softer ground, I would start digging that in more and start chunking shots. And I didn't know why. And you were the first guy definitely, that explained, definitely. get some more bounce on that. You know, Brad, I don't know if you, you find this too. I found, I've seen it with players and I've seen it watching their technique, but I always, I get around it in, an, in another way. I, I don't want to tell a player, hey, look, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a golf club guy. I'm, I'm not an instructor. I'm not a PGA pro or anything, but, you know, I tell them, I tell them, I, I explain it to them. That wedge is designed to be hit in a certain way. In other words, because you see some players, they start to get their hands so far ahead, and you find this on the amateur, so far ahead, and that leading edge, the further you put your, your hands ahead, you're reducing the bounce. You're lowering that leading edge. And as a result, boom, you can sometimes, you'll, you'll hit it fat. Or what the, the average player, I imagine you've probably worked with the, the people you're teaching, they start doing that, you know, they start moving the, their club, the ball further, further, further back in their stance. Right. And as a result, digging more and I always tell them and I've mentioned this to very good players some pros I told you think about don't think about that leading edge when you line up a shot think about the trailing edge good think about that's what I tell them the I want you to hit this one with the bounce hit them hit it with the bounce yeah and they say what's the bounce give them a little 101 on bounce they watch how it skids through the turf and also you want to lose that bounce in the bunker you're going to get that good old thump. You want to hear that thump of sand and club at the same time. Boy, that's, a, that's amazing. And that's one of the ways to tell it. Sound. You've seen yourself in you know, teaching. Boy, I tell you, you know, I, 
you can hear the sound of a well-struck ball. You can just hear it. And yep. The same way greenside. I remember you also talking to me about um, how the bounce affects trajectory of the shot. So no doubt about it. Yeah. Right. So for the person that's um, you know hits the ball, let's say they hit it too low. What would they? You know, I, I know the answer because we're talking to you, but there are options that you can get a different flight just by the different bounce, yeah? No doubt about it. Yes, you, when, once you arrive at the shaft that you like, this bounce is so very important because, you know, a lot of people, as I say, some guy wants a certain flight, as you may say, you say, they want to make it go a little higher. Well, they go a little higher, and as a result, they're, they're, they, they fall, I'll, I'll, I'll reduce the bounce. That can do it too, but you don't want to reduce that bounce too much because you reduce it too much, you know, then you, then you risk the chance of digging. digging. So you want to get the right amount of bounce that's going to get you. We have that option. First, hit the shots on, from the turf that you know you're going to play with more often than not. And you can tell. You can, you, there's nothing wrong with a low bounce on fairways, fairway shots. Nothing wrong with that in wedges. But you want to make sure that you can use that club for other areas too. So I always see people ask me, say, why so? I, I'm from old school. I always try to get a little bit more bounce on your sand wedge, a little bit less on your lob wedge. Because if you can stand wedge or get hung up, like tour players particularly, you might even, you can relate to this, they get hung up on their lob wedge. They use that lob wedge for so many different shots. And, 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 and they use them where it's a very low percentage time when they should be using their sand wedge. Correct. I grew up... You probably grew up too. You can remember that far back. They didn't. They didn't have lob wedges. That's right. They just had a fifty-six degree sand wedge and a pitching wedge. And you hit every shot with it. Long comes lob wedges that were only meant to be using. I call it in jail shots, bunkers <laughs> with pot bunkers, greenside when you want to get it elevated quick as you can do it. That's the only time to use it. But players, next thing you know it, and they always were with four, five, six degrees. First sandwich I came out with was only six degrees pitching wedge, and I had lob. I had a sandwich at four, fourteen, but it was a six degrees. But what happened is people start moving further away from the green, trying to hit full shots. They're trying to use the bounce, which they don't have that bounce. Right. As a result, sometimes they hit a lot of fat shots. Yes, tour players definitely can hit low bounce. There's no doubt about it. But they're hitting a thousand balls a day. That's they're right. practicing. They know how to do it. But so what, what's some, your um what's your ideal setup then for your average Joe? What you know you've sort of touched on Joe, there. But. I would always say when you go in, have a little higher bounce sandwich, which is going to be in that 12, 14 degree range. Then when you go to your lob wedge, I would like to see them anywhere between no less than six. But try to keep it in maybe in the eight range is good, eight to ten. Then they can get away with it. Then it's a little best, but you can still, eight degree gives you the ability to slide the club under the ball really well, but don't use it for a lot of different shots. Use your sand wedge. Got a little interesting sideline story. You'll like this one too. I hope you don't tell him. Adam Scott, we're at Medina last year. We're talking. And Adam, he, Adam told me what, uh, on a photo shoot we did the previous year, told me greenside, folk, he said, I spend my 54 more than I do my lob wedge. 54 degree. He could spin it more greenside than lob because of the angle. He hit, he hit it more flush, put a little bit more spin on, and it's a it's a higher percentage shot to use in a lot of cases. But he said he'd only use his lob wedge when he had to. 
And an interesting story, he said last year, or a couple of years over in the open, he says that lob wedge cost him so many shots over in the open. And he said, Bob, I don't think I'm gonna play a lob wedge again at the when I go over in the British Open. So I want, Junior, you and me, Brad, I wanna see what he does. He told me he'd rather use another club than use that, because he said that lob wedge over there cost him so many shots. Well, you can always make a, a club more vertical, uh, uh, versatility, can't you? You can add a bit of loft, you can take a bit of loft off it and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that's one of the big faults I see when I go do lessons with people or on course lessons. And they're probably half dictated by the watching TV because you watch, I'm going to use Jordan Spieth as an example. He misses a All green the time. and he's got his lob wedge out 200 yards away before he even sees the lie <laughs> I think you've got to evaluate the lion and that's great what you said is that you know no. now i know if i have a softer turf or whatever i'll use my 56 and if the ground feels really hard then i may use my 60. so i've got the options of the high bounce low bounce to you that's that's so important to have that option there's nothing wrong with having a higher bounce lob wedge i, I prefer the higher bounce in the sand wedge and a higher bounce there's nothing wrong with if you say you get in the bunker you're, you're you're having struggling in the bunker. That's your your, your 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 nemesis. But you found out you get a little higher bounce wedge. What I don't want to say, but we have well, Titus, we have the K grind. And I have a lot of players who have struggled with with the green side. The K grind is a very very it's a godsend for a lot of those players. What is and it made up of? How why is it why does it work it, well for them? We have because it's got lots of camber on it. Got a, got got the I call it the heel toe radius, and it's got a good front to back camber, and it's wide, and it's it's a it's a savior club. It came from many many years ago working with Tom I call it TK with Tom Kite. You know he's one of one of the best, and he had this wedge, and it was when he came on board with us, and it was an old Hogan. If you the shore uh, out. I want to say we got it from it was an old Hogan shore out. Yeah, and I made one for Trevino after I, I did one for sent it to Trevino. He said, Vogue, this is the wedge I won the 71 open with back at, I think it was Mirfield or whatever he said. He said it's fascinating. I actually heard a story. I don't know how true it is because Hogan's stories are, you know, they get embellished a little bit. But I remember Hogan used to sit up there at Shady Oaks in the clubhouse and he'd watch out over the green. He'd see everyone blading their shots out of the bunkers. And apparently he made sure that he gave every member one of the shore out wedges so that was not so bad out of bunkers anymore. I'll tell you, that's, hey, I, I like to take all the credit for the K, but I go all indirectly, it came back from Mr. Hogan. You know, when you look at it, it came off, it was modified a bit. So I modified it a bit to where, because uh, I got a call a little later, I got a call from Jason Duffner, it's going back a few years. Duff says, Folk, I just had some Tom Kites working with me in a bunker here we're out at, at TPC. Could you send me a wedge just like he has? So I turned around and I made a couple. One with, with see, Tiki only had five degrees of bounce, but I believe when I first ones I brought out, I liked about 10. And uh, so I sent him a, I had a six and a 10. So I sent him a 10 and a couple of, but he, he arrived at the one that had 10 degrees of bounce and had a, I call it, had camber of an inch and a half. That's the roundness of it going and, and so certain soul weight. So I modified it a little bit, but I guess, uh, you know, it all came back from, working with other players' clubs. That's where all those grinds came from that we have a Titleist. They all came from working with players would come in. The T-grind, it's a really great wedge. Soft for very, very firm conditions. 
came from Tom Pernice, you know. Elgrind came from Lefty. Esgrind from Strick, Stricker, you know. They're all, they're all. I wasn't good enough to have my own grind. <laughs> Pardon? I said I wasn't good enough to have my own grind. Name <laughs> <for me. laughs> yeah, but it, it just, it, but anyway, it's, it, it's, it's been fun. It's been great. We all want to become better. Now you have the opportunity to learn all about the training drills I use with my amateur players, beginners, and my PGA Tour players that I work with. My second ebook, The 430 Path to Great Golf, is now available. Take an in-depth look at the technique and drills that have helped hundreds of golfers the world over. Train your swing to be more powerful, more consistent, and more like you envision your swing to be. The 430 Path to Great Golf, only available in the store at bradleyhughesgolfforum.com and bradleyhughesgolf-members.com. Bradley Hughes Golf, it's where experience counts. So if you, um, let's let's turn you from uh, club designer to instructor for a minute, because obviously you've got to know a lot about technique as well, because you're going to watch people hit shots and you're going to, no doubt, you're going to no see that, yes, we could tweak the club, but yes, there's a technique thing as well. What's the biggest fault you see in, in golfers? I know you probably mix more with PGA players than the average Joe like I do with my lessons, but what do you see the people do too wrong or in the wrong manner that doesn't okay. help their wedge play? I, I sort of gave one little, one, little, one little hint first is the leading edges versus the trailing edge. You know, the bounce. They're not using, they're not using the bounce right. And how do you get them to use bounce? It's a combination of their stance and ball placement and hand position. You know, can have, it just mirrors where they place the ball, forward, middle, back, that's one way. Or you can look your hands, keep the same ball position and move your hands, forward, middle, back. There's two different ways of doing it. So you, I think what you've got to do is develop a way that works best for you. Sometimes you move your hands, sometimes you ball placement. You, you move, creep forward or creep back, you know, with your stance. So those are the different things right off the bat. Those are the things that stance and usually, I know bunker play, a lot of players in the bunker struggle. They got their doggone weight on their back foot, leading right. them back and swinging up on it versus having your weight a little bit more forward, you know? I was like 70, 30, you know? Perfect. I, mean, I always tell. That thing, using the bounce and accelerate through the ball, you know, with speed. I love it. That's exactly like you could come and do some of my lessons. If I need a day off, you can come do my bunker stuff for me. No, it's funny. You know, it's, you know, I, I get it all the time and I, I get work with the players and you know, I tell them, they'll ask something. I'll say, look, I'm not a, I'm not a PGA pro, but you know, I've been in the bunkers and around, around with the best players in the world. And I just watched and listened what they did. And, you know, and you can tell it, you can tell it, you, you, you know, you know, you're so you stand behind it. Good, good players. You can hear that sound like, like nobody else does. Absolutely. Give it, give it another little story. If you've got a quick one, you can file this one away. You brought up Mr. Hogan, Ben Hogan. Uh, I remember I, I did a little deal at, uh, in Dallas, where the heck it was. I can't remember the course, that little outing two years ago. And, and I called Lee. I said, Lee, that was last year. Yeah, last summer. I said, Lee, can I, we, we still stay in contact with each other. And uh, I said, hey, I'm over right there. Come on down and see me. 
is at the course like that striking the health of the tournament there forever brad god and used in in uh dallas los Colinas. yes yes los Colinas. yeah and uh and he's he said okay i'll come down so he came down a little later and he walks in right in the middle of my doing this i introduced everybody knew him anyway you know it's right there in dallas they Lee is the everything do any of the he kept he showed me some things and he showed me offset his book here's the offset you may be this one this is the offset I like on all my clubs so but I, so he leaves and then the pro come up me of of uh God what's the there's another course famous course in Dallas I'm dropping anyway he's been there 15 years it was Shady Oaks yeah he was a pro at Shady the present pro at Shady Oaks Shady Oaks and he said I gotta tell you a story about that about Trevino. So I wasn't there at the time, but he, Ben Hogan, but it, the pro told me that Ben Hogan would bring down some clubs to the pro and say, here, have that little Mexican guy from Fort Worth hit these for me. <laughs> it was, it was, I never told Trevino that story, but Hogan always sent clubs down to Trevino the hit, particularly irons and wedges. And in my book, those are the two best ball strikers ever in golf. Yeah, I believe Hogan you. and Torino. I agree. And 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 it was it was a neat little neat little story sideline because I really respect Lee, you know, and uh, it's I said I sent a lot of my stuff to him, get his feedback right away. But you know, I get getting back to it, you know, basics in a weekend golfer. I said, God, you know, I'll tell him, go see your PGA pro. Particularly when it comes to wedges and practice. Oh, you know, the little yeah, you know what he tell me. You can yeah. When you come to your short game, go and see your picture because there's so much to do. I think wedges to me. What does the average weekend golfer hit? Sixty percent of his shots inside 100 yards, 125. But what? How many they spend all their time? They spend all their time about 90 percent of their time That's on right. the driving range hitting right. drivers. Trying to hit that 300-yard drive, you know, I tell, and they can't hit that. They're never going to get it, but they can with their club head speed hit every shot closer inside 100 yards. That's and they're right. going to save. Next, they're going to save one, two, three, four shots quicker there than they will, you know, trying to hit that driver. But Brad, it's funny, you know, and I, when I, I'm still, I don't play that much anymore, but I, I can hit wedges, but I still like to hit the driver. <laughs> it's weird, you know. I, I still love hitting drivers. <laughs> You can't even farm anymore, but I still love them. <laughs> we we talked about bounce. Guy. We've talked about bounce yes. a little bit. So explain yes. the bounce. Like where should the bounce hit in relation to the ball? Or is it different based on how much bounce well, you have? Yeah, when you do with every grind, I've always liked to see. So you mentioned a key before. I'll go back, backtrack a bit. One of the most important things people overlook is lie. It's so the lie of the club. Pick your irons or your wedges. It's so very important because if you don't strike the club in the right way to be able to utilize that grind or the sole of the club or the bounce. If you see if you see wear marks a little bit, call it out towards the toe yeah. and forward, that means they need a little bit more bounce. Their swing is a little bit more up. If you see their line, if you look at over, turn the club over, and you see it closer to the leading edge, the wear marks, Closer to the leading edge, they need a little bit more bounce. And then they're just the reverse. If you see it way towards the back of the club, you can they 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 can get away with a little less bounce. All right. So you get feedback from the the markings. 
from the markings. And if and if the soul is and if you see the wear mark is out towards the soles, towards the uh, toe, it's a little too flat. Bring it up a little bit. Just to reverse it, it's a little towards the heelward, then you need a little let you flatten it a little bit. Because that help you do it. Just the club can tell you the story. That's Just right. turn it over, look at it. That's interesting you know, it's, it's too. So very important. That, that's really interesting to me because I tend to play with clubs. Yeah, you know, my my full set are like one degree flat, a little bit flat because I'm not that tall and I like to swing around myself a bit. Now my wedges, Perfect. I always have them a little bit more upright, and the reason being is when I get close to the green, I can stand them up and and get yeah. that yeah. that right hit. Plus, when I play those specialty shots, my club is not going to get too flat when I lower myself down and start setting my hands down like that. So how about lie angles? You know, I think I have mine set up pretty good. Would you agree with some of that? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe, I'm, I, I, I sort of disagree a little bit with you on that. And the reason I'm saying that, I, I'm a firm believer. I like the wedges. If you're standard loft all the way to your set, I like them one degree flat. Okay. I like your sandwich one and your lob wedge two. For all the shots, because you know you got a low. I see you swing. You got the, You got a lower swing path. So what's going to happen is, you. It's not going. It's not going to affect you. If you got them a little more upright, you're going to hit. You say toe. You're going to be hitting a toe down on a lot of shots. Correct. Yeah. And I don't really like to see that, because what, what's going to happen if if it's too, excuse me upright heel heely sorry if it's a little more upright what's going to happen is you're going to turn around, you're going to hit it closer to the hosel. Where March will tell you that. What's going to happen to that? The ball's going left on you. Yeah. And I ask a lot of players, first off, where are your misses? What are your lie of the clubs? Check the lies off the bat. I always favor the, some of the best players in the world that I've ever worked with. I'll go back to Trevino's too flat. Sammy Ballesteros is too flat. Jose Marie Elazabal is too flat. Uh, Tom Perdice is one flat. Uh, I can go. I can go. The majority of the best players because they like around the green. What happens is, you drop your hands. Correct. Yeah. You drop your hands, and if it's going to be, really, going to be healy, you're hitting it in the heel in the bunker or little greenside shots. I feel, what's the worst that's going to happen if you take your club and it's a little more upright for you? The worst, call it. Worst that's going to happen. Excuse me. Flat. If it's a little too flat for you. Worst is going to happen on your three quarters and fulls with your wedges. The ball is going to bleed a little right, right. on you. Yeah, that you can live with. But boy, you can't live with that big. No long and left, no good on any course. The long left, you can't live with the long left. <laughs> you can live ball. with the, you can live with the the short right, a pin high right. But I'm telling you, just it's so very important. So I've often everybody asks me, that's always my recommendation. Flatten them out a little bit, and you know, and don't. don't if I say two degrees flat, or so I could say, say it's two degrees flat of what you already have right now. Right. But hit them though. Hit all the different shots when you're and fitting. What, what would the, the uh, what would the standard tideless lie be? Sixty four for your wedges. Is that like a standard setting? No, the standard setting is is most. We've always used sixty four. Yeah. But I've used sixty four over the years because many many. If I had to do it all over again, Brad. I would have my wedges at 63. Okay. I have the rule of thumb. I've had to bend or people bend all the fit, you know fittings that I've been involved, involved in and talking to a lot of club pros at various courses. 
they often ask me, they ask me, what do you like? And I, and I don't know if they want to go scared. I'm going to say 64. I said, no, they are whatever the players, they are meant to be bent. And if I said, I would rather see them flatter. And they say, right. That's exactly what I'm finding out. I've heard this so, so often. Never heard anybody say, bump them up, you know? All right. And if Seve, you name some pretty good guys there. Seve, Elizabeth, Trevino. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. You know, you've got a slow swing path. You you get down on them. You drop your butt down a little bit. You know, you want to get that feeling of sliding under a little bit. I like them a little flatter. All right. I'm going to get on my Mitchell machine and bend mine down. Try it. (laughs) Try them a little flatter. And you'll be... You will be very surprised. All of a sudden, you're going to, that sound's going to come back that you may have been lacking. The little thump's going to come back because you're going to... Because if you don't, it's a, it's a great grind particular, even a full soul. If you don't hit it, it's not, you're not getting the full, I call it the full use of the bounce, the bounce and the grind of that particular club. And what about grips and that? You know, Do you mess around with grips with people, like thicker, thinner, and all that stuff? Well, you know, I thought the old rule of thumb years ago, thinner grip is for feel. Yeah. A fatter grip is for thinner grip is for feel. I, I like, I always used to use uh, over overlap, uh, over wraps on my right hand, but then went in my wedges and I always kept them standard. But that's that, that's, that's my rule of thumb. Yeah. And the like biggest that. thing, what I, I like to see, you know, if the per- player is, if you fall at some time, it's going left on you and you checked his lie and he's hitting it left. Watch his hands. Maybe you got a little bit more hand action. Yeah. You could turn around, take a little bit of action, but over. You can make a little bit oversized, and just make a little bit oversized. If he's oh, excuse me, going right, what's happened is he's losing it. You know, he's losing the grip. But if you turn around and it's very, very thin, and a player, you can almost see that he's gripping it too tight, and the too much right hand. Then you can oversize the right hand, and if, just to reverse of that, what I said earlier, if you know, if, if it's find is going left on him, check his grip. He may be, maybe, maybe undersized, oversized. If it's going right on him, like that, you may be on oversized. So I don't want to so put get, you on the. I don't want to put you on the spot here, but what's the deal with the Shambeau having a sand iron the same length as his six iron? Well, surely, surely well, that can't you help. Know, you know, and that's uh, you know what I'm saying. First off, he's got a hell of a talent to be able to do that. You know, I mean, I, I keep saying, imagine what he would do with standard length or wedges. I've never had, I've never made him any, I know the best wedge players were always standard or sometimes even a little, little short of standard length. But, you know, I remember Tom Kite, I make his is 33 and a half inch long. Really? 33 according to the end of grip. He's come up a little bit because he liked to get, Stand a little closer to the ball, and I make them a little upright at the right. same time. You know, but the grips, the grips I'm saying, you know, it's it's in the length. Golly, I I don't I don't believe it. I just don't believe. I honestly feel that's where I think I think might have if he has a little bit of a weakness, which he has very few weaknesses. He's a hell of a talent. I think it's if he ever thought about going. You know, shortening his wedges, I think he, I think he'd be a better player. But I think he maybe he's so used to swinging all, the same length all the time now. He's used to that particular setup, and he makes it work because he's a talent. But I feel he goes at this stage in his career may may hurt him a little bit. He may have to go backwards a little bit in the short game to get better. But 
my feeling is it's just it's hey he makes it work and uh he's the only player out there that has that so i'm just keep saying to myself hey you got to go with what the best players in the world use and they go standard or i get davis was a half inch over six three phil was a half inch over because then half inch over you know it they that was the max i'd hate to see anything over an inch long so all what right. about um you know obviously you've seen it all you've been there designing wedges and clubs for a long time what and i'm going to base this more on the agronomy of golf courses in the future like what what may change in golf courses with regard to distance or grass or whatever what have we done with wedge or what haven't we done with wedges that may come about in the future what what's ticking in your brain that may have to come up with well there's you know it, it's what's what's happening what's happened a lot what we've done with the progressive center of gravity we're able to move that center of gravity the way i used to do when i designed wedges i took what the best players in the world want the look they wanted and i st- i stayed within those bounds which you'll look at my older wedges the older series 200 300 and 400 they're all within which the best players in the world used. And that's what I just used to stay in those boundaries. If I wanted center gravity, Brad, it was almost like I'd balance it on my finger. <laughs> I could find it, put the head up and balance it on my finger. You know, something like that. And it was always in a good spot. They, tour players find that sweet spot. Some of the older players, and it was always a little heelward, and it was always in between second and Fifth groove, yeah. jury right in there. It seemed to be a little bit towards the heel. That's where the sweet spot was. You notice they had the longer hosses way back when, you know, and that helped. That helped move, keep the CG in closer to the hosel because of the MOI, you know, opening closing. Yeah, you know, you turn around and if you get them up towards the toe, you're not going to close that wedge. So we turned around and we, as a team, we we put the CG in a proper position in a proper in- impact position behind the ball. And that was so very important when we came out with the SM6s. The first time we did it was the sixes. We moved the impact position because what happens is you got your ball, the impact position between on the face between a, say, a, 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 a three and four iron, and I'm going to go back to, say, my 48 degrees, 46 degree, was a certain place. It was a little bit higher. So we, as as and we, so we had to lower the CG to get back to the impact position on the face, right behind the ball. So then as a result, but as you, as you rotate the club open, that impact position, more loft, moves upward. So we, had, we moved our CG up, and you notice in the sevens and eights, excuse me, sixes and sevens, we had a little weight pad from the up there a little high, so that was to do that. We found out that sometimes if we got from each set, and it's how we learn. We learn from each set. Some players, well, I'm, I'm losing this, or I find I'm getting a little coming up short when I hit it not quite right on different things. We learn all that. So we learn going to the seven. We put the best, the things we found out into the sevens. And then we found out some guys, we wanted to make a little bit more stable. So we brought the weight slightly out towards the toll, which would reduces the moment of inertia, which is the closing of the toe. 
So we turned around and they reduced it, but you don't want to do it too much. We got it. I said, let's just creep out a bit, give you a little better feel. So what happened is the players were telling us, if you get that center gravity, the feel becomes so important right now. And our wedges feel really good. And sense of feel, when I say feel, I also want the feel of, gives you that feeling of confidence because you know the wedge is going to close right properly for it. It's going to square up. And you get the feeling that the ball is not going to skid up the face. And all these different shots. And so we, we learned all that. And we have right now, we're, we're already been working on SM9s. I had some prototypes two weeks ago. So okay. we're already working on SM9s now for the next iteration. And we find we can tweak it here, there, and there. And that's, that's what we've been doing, you know, all the time. And, and other people, there's going to be other in the innovations. We, 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 there's a lot of different things that we're working on that, that we're, we're trying to do. But then there's always, always, always different type materials. And, and, and I call it materials and trying to get the right synergism between head and shaft. Get that right moment. So we're always testing shafts continually. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny, I, when we, we use an S2, it's a little subflex S. And I found that was recommended to me by, by uh, Bob Bush, who originally involved the original dynamic gold shafts. And we used to talk all the time. And I told him, I, I'd like to go on way back when I left the Founders Club, I said, Bob, can you give me some kind of shaft? I'm going to be going over to Tylus and all this and that. That's after I got back. And he recommended the shaft, sent it to me, and let the players hit it. And remember, in I know in my day, when player wanted a, a softer shaft, and we didn't have the different, different like S1, 2, 3, 4, 5, we used to take 800 shafts, which is a little softer, put it in wedges. Okay. So basically, that's what, that the series 200 was it was a little softer shaft meant for wedges and my feeling right now I'm going about shafts again and it's a lot of it is to do with fitting to me fitting it is to me is the most important thing in golf when you're talking just you're not just a tour player but for everybody for Eddie, i call it the avid golfer you know the serious golfer but you need to be fit with the right the right you know drivers fairways you know fairway metals irons and of course wedges being fit right wedges at all it's to me it's get fit for the gapping it's so important a lot of different things and where we're going next Brad, we got a lot of ideas but i can't say too much you know okay. yeah but i understand that different different things that we're working on that we're doing. we're continually trying to innovate we don't stop i got yeah. i got two three guys it's all they do is bring stuff to me show me what they have I'm sort of like the godfather now, and uh, I look at it, you know, and it's okay, we can do this, this, and that. And a lot of that is um, um, just thinking, like on the physics side of things, or is it yes. testing or just feedback from players? or All of it. We yeah. put it all together. When we improve, we're, we take what we've learned from the last series, the little things, players, as I said, you may find they're, they're not getting the right trajectory. They find they're losing distance. They find the feels not right. We take all those things, and that's only for certain players. I call it, we find the negatives. There may not be that many negatives, but we find them. If a certain thing happens, we look at that particular thing and say, okay, if we did this, we can tweak this a little bit, and then, of course, we take a testing. And I'll do what I do all the time, and I, when I did the SM8s, I was at Riviera before we started to do, uh, bring it into final production over a year ago, two years ago, 
I had these wedges taped. I had one was the SM8 weighting and the other was the SM7 weighting. Nine particular players that I, I tested to with. Unmarked. They all, so you, you knew what they were, but they didn't. Yeah, I knew what they were. I, I, I didn't even want to know myself. I had them labeled A and B. Okay. A was A was the SM SM seven and is all black taped. The SM eight was B. Players didn't know it. I didn't want to know it because then yeah, because I had to look at the shot. I, just, I didn't want to know myself. So all these players hit it, and eight of the nine picked this club up like this, and they and this one here feels better, and it was B, which was the new prototype. And the other player couldn't tell the difference, which was good too. Right. <laughs> so it's that's that's how we do it. It's it's it. I never thought all this stuff could be done until a couple of the engineers who were working on irons, they had innovation in irons. As a company, you all work together. Your design career, they say, irons, we did this. Well, let's try it in a wedge. Or in a wedge, we're doing this. Let's try it in the iron. There's different different. We we share information. Brad, the kids, and I call them kids right now, they are unbelievable. They're, I call them brainiacs. You know, I go, wait a second. It's a, it's a wedge. We don't want to do that. It's just a wedge, you know. Even me, you can't do that with a wedge. They proved it to me. Right. <laughs> you got prove it to me. Give it to me. I'll take it to you. They're the best players in the world. And I won't take it to law. I'll take it to people who I know know what a golf club is. They know what feel is. They know all the... All the good stuff. There's certain players that know it. You know, you know, they're usually in my case, they're a little older, they might be on the champions tour, you know, but they know they know wedges, they play by feel. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of the younger kids never had that that with them. They're they're come back playing with the best of equipment, playing with metal woods that hit the ball straighter than Oprah Simmons could ever hit them. You know, they're playing with wedges that are uh, irons that are weighed in a certain way to their benefit. You got the tungsten and all these other things. Look, look, that's 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 it's amazing now. They haven't learned. And they hit with balls that fly straighter. I get <laughs> I mean, never. I wish we all had those. Mine, mine still don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> they got yeah balls fly straighter and the clubs they hit it straighter. Wait a second, where were those clubs in my era? Jeez. So actually you touched on this before, you know, with the longer hosels and everything. So, you know, yeah. particularly way back when the older clubs, the wedges were more, like you said, the trouble shots, they were much heavier and they were, That's they right. were designed for just little shots around the green. So how That's do you right. make your wedges perform that they're actually for that and for full shots? Yeah. Well, you know what? That's okay. That's all related to the grind, but you know, the game has changed so much, you know. They, why did sand wedge? It was a sand wedge. Why all of a sudden did it become use on round the green and used for full shots? You know, because what I had to do when I found out, I had to take a little bit more weight and put it in the proper positions. You know, and it, we find we did that particularly to six. I learned, I learned from all our iterations going forward. So we had to put the weight to where it's going to work, as you said, bunkers, and it's got to work on the Full shots, you know, wedge shots. So it's a base, basic of trying and testing. It all comes down to testing. Okay, let's reduce the length of the hawser where we can take that weight and move it out a little bit lower, a little bit higher. It's all a case. Where do we do it? You know what we're doing now, Brad? You'll, you'll turn around and you see the SM8s. How did we get 
to get rid of that weight that we had, weight pad that we had on the back, and make it all traditional looking. What we had to do, we had to turn around and where are we going to get that weight from? Okay, what we had to do, we had to turn around and raise the hosel a little bit, lengthen the hosel a little bit. Right. Now the hosel right now on our 58, 60, and 62 is longer. So we're able to get the weight that way. And also with the, because of the simple fact, players said on the SM6s, they found the, the club was dynamic loft was changing. So we said too much. So we had to reduce that. So what we did by removing the weight pad, because what happened when you got the weight out towards higher it went, we found what it was doing. It was going back. It was bringing the CG back. We found that too. So on SMH, we had to drop the weight, like longer hosel, bring the little bit of tungsten out in the tall. So, you know, it, to take the weight a little bit closer out, you know, away from the heel too much. Then we turned around and, and, and we total testing. And we, of course, we do, as we're testing the whole time, we're doing the grinds that go along with that particular model. You know, we had to do all those things. It's a, it, it's, it, it's a different process than when I, when I was doing it all by myself. Hey, by your Just eyes and now. yeah, your eyes and your Oh pipe. yeah. I would take it, do a little grind, take it out to the player. How's the work? Take another, hey, wait a sec, maybe I got something here. But back in the day when I first started, I I got a few clubs I in a barrel <laughs> that I that don't work. <laughs> I'll tell right, you. So I'm gonna ask you this question because obviously you're uh, you're not a braggart person, you love what you do, but you're pretty famous yep. in, because there is not, you know, I was just thinking before. There's Zuno and then there's uh, Strixon and there's Co there's all these, but you're actually not a brand name. You're a, a name. Like you've got your own name on golf clubs. It's pretty cool. Like everyone distinguishes Tylus. It's not a Tylus wedge, it's a Vokey wedge. That's got to be pretty cool from looking back at it. Hey, hey Brad, I know it's good, uh, but I'm, I, I know you and uh, you know me. And you know one thing, have I changed? No. On the day before, I didn't have my name on clubs? Not at all. You knew me and my founder's club. Have I changed? No. <laughs> I don't think so. I'll never will. Because I remember where I come from. I get asked that all the time. And my first answer is, how is it to have your name in a club? My first answer was, is, on that particular thing is, with that trophy comes a lot of dust. <laughs> <laughs> but... It's okay now. I understand it all. I, I, I know what it is. You get the dust is, you know, some, you're the name on the club, you get that. And then you got the other, little bit of internal dust too you get. You know, who do you think you are? Just because you got your name on the club, you know, stuff like that, you know. But anyway, that's, that's, that's really calmed down quite a bit. And the, another story to that, I remember Lee Trevino's ex, he lived in Ponce, his name was Donnie Swab. He was Trevino's manager way back. And uh, like I got friends with them, and when they come to one, I didn't want my club, on, my name on a club. I was always in the background when I worked with Gary Adams, and, and all. I always had my name in the background. And I work with uh, somebody wanted our, Terry McCabe who pushed over. He said, "Look," he said, "Bob's always been the background guy. He does all the work, and he never gets so." I said, "Okay." So they put the name on the club, and I first off to I let them put the name on the club. I called Donnie Swab. I discussed it with him. His exact words, Bob, it can't hurt you. It's their nickel. 
<laughs> and, then, and there it is. And here I am. I, you know, still working. And why am I still working at? Uh, Got to tell you a little secret. You probably don't know. I'm going to be 81 next Wednesday. Happy birthday! <laughs> and I'm still going and still love. And you know what? I just read. It's all love when you love what you do. That's right. You got tons of enthusiasm, so you're always uh, you're always on the ball doing that. Love what you do and keep learning. You know, I just keep learning. But I, you know, I, I tell people jokingly, I don't want to know anything more. I know enough. <laughs> I don't want. I know. I don't know anything more. <laughs> it's funny. So gonna, I don't. No, we, I don't, boy. And we got to always you back learn. Out? We'll see you back out on uh, tour again soon, or are you just hang. I don't. You you know, with this new restrictions. Yeah. I haven't gone. I've, they just said a little load. I said, I'm not going to the PGA, which is always, I went for, I don't know how many years. So I'm not going to be going to that because they got new restrictions out there. Have you been out there since? I haven't since? been out yet. No, um, I'm thinking maybe yeah, the well, Wyndham. They got, got new, new restrictions about all that stuff. And you, you can't go on the tee. You got to be asked by the player, you know, to yeah. all that. Yeah. It's very different. So, and you know, I, I would go out there maybe just to check with the players, you know, and, Shake hands, and everybody know I'm still alive, and but I don't, I don't think I need to do that. <laughs> I won't be able to do that, so I'm not going. I don't know when I'm going to go out. I don't. So if I do. Anything, of, I may go on the Champions Tour first. Speaking of going out, when's the SM9? When's that planned for release? Be going to be released in March, not this year coming. March of uh, 20, uh, 22. Okay. Yeah, two year interview. Yeah, March of uh, twenty two. Looking yeah, forward so to it. It's a two-year cycle. It takes us, takes us, God, a good, good, eighteen to twenty months to put it in. You know, get it ready for production. You know, that's the key. You do a product, and you take it to your vendor who's doing the work for you. They can, you know, you they can make onesies, twosies. You know, it's pretty pretty good. Can they run them? But how can they run a hopefully a million of them? All right. You know, that's the key. That that's that's a big 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 always a big problem, but it's always a big challenge. And I got some good people, people over there, and people here that do it. You know, they they all love what we do. All right, so you still go and get your hands dirty like Dad taught you? Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. I get still. I still do it. I love it. I go down there. I'm doing another little thing that I've I got the tour department. I set up. That's called being run. Aaron Dill's doing it. He's doing a hell of a job out there, and. I I started a old program over in Wedgeworks, hand ground program. You know, if you'll see it in it's on their web it's hand grounds. I get in there and I'll do a little work. But also when I do my fittings, somebody does a fitting. I did one uh, last week. Uh, name of, of he, 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 he come up to me and when I went to TPI, I said, Mr. Volke, you fit me at the Canadian Open. <laughs> But 50, 20 years ago, it was Eddie Lee, good, good player. It was good to get back. But what I'll do, I'll work with the player. If I see they need a certain grind with the, with the, with the, what they, they pay this money and they get four wedges and I'll take it. I'll do a little grind. I, I hand ground them for that particular player. That's cool. So I probably do about four to six fittings a week like that, a month that I uh, hand ground four wedges. And if I see that, I say, say, hey, Brad, you need, you need a little heel relief on this club. You hit it. So I'll turn around, I'll put a little heel relief, 
put a little, maybe they like a little thinner top line, different things like that. I'll do on that club for them, ah, whatever cool. they feel. We show them the club and and so they hit fully, all the shots over TPI. That's that's what I'm doing now. It's good to get my hands dirty again. Fully personalized and customized. I've got a bunch of my Vokey wedges in my room next door. <laughs> Oh, mine are sweet though. Mine have got my initials on. Not many people will like get. Oh yeah, you're you're awesome. <laughs> I've yeah. even got those prototype ones that you used to do. I got the the stamp on them that looks pretty cool. Uh-huh. All right, mate. Well, I loved in I love okay. talking to you again. Thanks for doing that. I'm hope to love catch you soon. Have, have a great day. Thank you, Bob. Bye. Bye bye. Well, that's it for another episode of Bradley Hughes Golf Podcast. For more information about my golf instruction, check out my website, bradleyhughesgolf.com. If you like to watch golf videos to make you a better player, sign up for my members-only site, bradleyhughesgolf-members.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.